0: You're listening to the Religion and Fiction Podcast. A podcast for people interested in the intersection of the sacred and story, offering insight, inspiration, and a bit of entertainment for the journey. I'm your host, Jeremy Bauma, a former pastor and theologian who writes stories under J.A. Bauma stories that offer entertaining escape as well as insightful inspiration for the journey. In this episode, I'm taking you behind the scenes of my End Times Chronicles apocalyptic sci-fi series. It's the first part of three, giving you a glimpse at the intersection of the sacred and story from the author's perspective. Stay tuned. Hey, Religious Fiction readers, this is Jeremy Bauma bringing you episode 18 of the Religion and Fiction podcast, And I'm super excited about it because I'm going to give you a behind-the-scenes glimpse into my own apocalyptic sci-fi series called End Times Chronicles. The past two weeks, we have been engaging another mid-90s into the 21st century sci-fi series that envisions the end times from a rapture perspective where a whole bunch of people are left behind as this series is named, while a whole bunch of true Christians are snatched away in this sort of secret rapture before Jesus Christ returns. As I've alluded to in those episodes, my take on the book of Revelations and those events are a little different than some of the more popular expressions in religious fiction. I'm going to get to that in a couple more weeks, but leading into that... I want to share with you a behind-the-scenes glimpse into the story decisions I made for my own End Times Chronicles series that I just launched yesterday as a Kickstarter story project. This is truly a modern retelling of the book of Revelation that casts our own modern conflicts with culture and the narrative of the prevailing regime into a stark light in light of those events from John the Seer's revelation. It came about a few years ago when I started asking myself, what would it be like to live through those events? What if Christians lived through the final events of the end of the world as we know it? Yeah, the apocalypse. With a rising apostasy that ravages and destroys the church followed by the apocalypse that dawns across the earth to bring about God's judgment, culminating with the rise of the Antichrist and its totalitarian regime to persecute the church and to wrest the allegiance of Christians from Jesus Christ and to the Red Dragon. And thrown into the midst of all these chaotic events is a diverse cast of unlikely heroes called from across the globe who are called to survive and to thrive in the middle of the apocalypse, remaining faithful to Christ until the very end. Get all the details to that where you can back for a number of awesome rewards from ebooks to audiobooks to signed paperback and signed exclusive hardcover editions. You can even become a character in my next spin off series, End Times Resistance, if you so desire. Get all those details to backing this Kickstarter with deals that expire tomorrow to give you the best discounts possible. All right, enough of the prologue. Let's get to the episode that gives you behind the scenes glimpses into the story decisions I made for this series. Beginning with the inspiration behind it, how I came up with the idea, why I came up with the idea, and some of the story details relating to the specific futuristic setting that involves time travel. Yes, you heard that right. My characters from the future travel back to the past, jumping phases to the earliest moments of the church for very specific reasons. Discover why in the episode. Hey, everybody. Jeremy Balma here. I thought that I would come at you with some videos explaining some of the behind the scenes to this new Kickstarter project launching End Times Chronicles out into the world Or rather back out into the world, I should say, because the series has been out since uh, 2019, uh, with the first story season, Antichrist Rising. Two years later, season two came out called Apocalypse Rising. And now with this Kickstarter, we're launching Antichrist Rising, wrapping up this, uh, saga, the sci-fi apocalyptic saga, exploring the events, of the book of Revelation. And to give you a better idea about this massive 12-book story world, I thought that it would bring to you some uh, behind-the-scenes videos on the setting, the concept, where it came from, what went into it, the ideas, the, the current cultural Moments that inform some of what I've brought to the story, the characters, and where where the story is headed, and also what's spinning off from the story. Because what I love about the world that is in the End Times Chronicles is that it is really big and expansive and, and a lot is going on in the background while our intrepid heroes are on their adventure to preserve the faith and to contend for the faithful, uh, to help them survive during the events of the apocalypse and to maintain their faith and persevere unto the end when Jesus Christ returns at the very end, as the book of Revelation explains and promises and uh, and the story wraps up with. And so we kind of know, based on the book of Revelation, where the story is heading, how it ends. Uh, and I actually just wrote that ending a few weeks ago, and I like how it turned out. I, I think that it, uh, it will be surprising, given some of the events of uh, the book, The series, but it wraps up in a way that is fulfilling and appropriate for the story, but also the book of Revelation. All right. So let's dive in to these videos and this commentary on the end times chronicles series. All right. So first up on the list, the obvious. Where did I get the idea for the series and the concept? End Times Chronicles, because as you'll quickly learn, the Chronicles part uh, introduces an element of time travel back to the earliest decades and centuries and memory of Christianity. And, And that's actually where the series began. I was ruffling through my notes for the series as I do with all of my books that I write, I, I first begin to jot some things down in bowl Uh these little paper notebooks that are b- blank to begin with before adding a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, ideas and concepts and things I want to cover, everything ranging from titles to uh, an outline for the story to the characters and the setting and and little bits and bobs that help me craft the world, craft the characters, craft this, the exciting adventure uh, that I'd like to bring you, the reader, on. And it's funny because I had forgotten a lot of how this came about, and, and it was almost 10 years ago that I began thinking about this uh idea of an end-time series. And it actually began not as an end-time series, but as a uh a origin series. That that's what the series was originally called, Origins, Ichthus Origins. And Ichthus is uh sort of the remnant Christianity within the sto- within the story world of the last remaining elements of the church that have survived through the centuries, persecution, and it it takes its name from the Jesus fish, if you call it that, ichthys, the Greek letters symbolizing the Jesus Christ, our Lord, Son of God, uh, is where those letters come from, And, and I had this idea based on a passion that I have for retrieving and rediscovering the vintage Christian faith, as I call it. the the elements of uh, Christianity that are foundational and fundamental to what Christians have always believed and what the church holds to be true to our faith in Christ and our hope in Christ. Uh, This began for me 15, 20 years ago, uh, as I began wrestling through my own issues in my own my own faith and what I believed and uh, what I didn't. And if you read my Faith Reimagined series, you'll get some more of that story for me personally. And I've spent a lot of time in my own journey thinking through and working through the elements, but also the foundational aspects to the Christian faith and that has come about in my own nonfiction writing with some of the things I've done retrieving and trying to make the vintage Christian faith relevant and as I began writing and seeing how story can impact people's own spiritual lives and their journey I began thinking through how would it look to go back to those earliest years in order to give people a real live experience of the origin of Christianity uh through the 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th centuries, the earliest decades and the earliest moments of the faith with the characters and the setting and and the struggles and the creeds and the councils and the persecution. But as I began to work more through the concept, I realized that maybe people didn't want that, (laughs) didn't want to go back in time purely and explore the moments of the earliest memory of the church, but instead would want to understand how those earliest memories applied and were relevant to their day right now. And so that led me into exploring why the vintage Christian faith is relevant in the 21st century and why it might be relevant several hundred years from now originally i was going to center on uh, 3000 ad uh, thinking that uh, you know we'll be here another 1000 years and and jesus will be as relevant then or later down the road as he is now but thought that uh, way too far in the future and so i brought it closer uh, to 100 years into the future 2123 is where the story begins and I began to think through, well, okay, Jesus is relevant now. The fundamentals of the faith, not fundamentalism, but those foundational elements of belief in Jesus are relevant now, and they will be relevant 100 years from now, especially if the church is in the middle of a superheated battle with itself as well as the culture around it. And that led me to the more sci-fi, apocalyptic, dystopian, uh, but especially time travel elements that harken back to those earliest moments in the church by actually retrieving them through time travel. Wait a minute, did you just say time travel? Yeah, said time travel, and I have a fun way of going about it that I think is as close to reality as you can, uh, because time travel obviously isn't actually possible. But I've found a a method, but also the science behind the idea of time and phasement is what I call it, uh, relating a person's position in the phases of time along a, a XYZ axis that includes a uh, up and down journey through the phases of time developed by Sasha Pavlovich who is a Ukrainian or Ukrainsky physicist uh, as I as I go as I explain in the book um, and he explains how we get from one phase to another and uh, using a actually a scientific discovery called time crystals that I stumbled upon during the research phase about a decade ago when I started thinking about this idea. And of course, there's a time travel belt and we incorporate uh, wormholes and a whole lot of other interesting science, uh, thanks to Stephen Hawking's and uh, who else do I have down there? Machio Kaku, and I probably just butchered his name. But anyway, there is some interesting Physics and science behind it, uh, but you gotta just suspend that part of disbelief, right? I mean, that's what any fiction is the suspension of disbelief. And you gotta even suspend it further in science fiction, but especially when it comes to time travel. And so the people who've engaged the book and read it have loved how, you know, the time travel element unfolds. And the point of it is to connect with the previous insight into how the story came about, and that is to take the the future characters back in time to retrieve uh, the memory of the church in order for it to serve the church in the future. Because as one of my taglines I use in Apostasy Rising, season, story season one of End Times Chronicles, the tag is, the church's future is history. And it's kind of a double entendre there where you, the church's future is crumbling. It's history. But in the other side of it, the, the future survival of the church, the way the church is going to survive in the future, it's, it's forward motion is by retrieving and holding on to what has come before. And so these characters, because of a some things going on in book book one, story season one, uh, unfolding within the church, the apostasy that's rising, the jettisoning of the faith, the reimagining of the faith, the changing of the faith in order to make it palatable to culture. Those who are holding on to what the church has always believed, the remnant of Christianity, ichthus. Is realizes that their survival depends on retrieving that memory, literally. And I use it as a metaphor for our own day and our own necessity to hold on to to retrieve the memory of the church. That plays out in a number of my books, not only my spiritual coming of age series called Faith Reimagine, where in book two, titled A Rediscovered Faith, I really take that seriously and, and take that into a uh, sort of a modern day retrieval and apply it to actual living in our day and age now. Uh, but then there's my thriller series, The Order of Thaddeus, where my characters are actually retrieving the memory through relics and objects and uh, locations of where the the Bible has unfolded, be it the Ar- the Garden of Eden, the Ark of the Covenant, uh, the burial place of Jesus. Right, these memory markers, these locations, these objects of the faith. But then in the future, we have the the church needing to go back in time, literally, to retrieve the memory, and so. My characters throughout the series, there is this element of retrieval, of going back in time to have conversations with Eusebius, who is the church historian, showing up at the Council of Nicaea that uh, was so crucial to solidifying the church's understanding of the deity of Jesus. And they go talk with Cyprian of Carthage and Polycarp Polycarp of Smyrna and and they retrieve the memory of persecution from them. And then some little known characters, Perpetua, and her band of persecuted brothers. And so anyway, I don't want to give it all away, but you see that retrieval is a a huge theme, a story theme in the series. And they literally do that through this device of time travel. And I think it is handled pretty well it's not hokey it's not weird it's it's kind of interesting and for me i i loved it because it touches on a passion project of mine but i think the way it's executed is pretty cool because it melds both the past and the future and shows why the past is crucial to the history or rather the why history is crucial to the future of the church So, I just explained that one of the major themes of this End Times Chronicles series is this sort of tagline the church's future is history. And as I just explained, I mean that in both uh, a sort of a double meaning to that tag the church's future is history. It's history in a religious sense, and that I really believe that the church in order to survive, both now and into the future, needs to go backwards uh, into its past to retrieve its historic memory of what the church has always believed about Jesus, about human nature, about salvation, about the future itself and our eternal hope in Christ. Uh, But on the other side of it, the church's future is history culturally, which gets at the setting and the world that, that I've kind of constructed the last five years in this End Times chronicle series. As I mentioned at the beginning, I really wrestled with where to set this, the events as they unfold, the, the kind of the world, especially the timeline, because I wanted to bring out this this reality that the church will be living through the events of the book of revelation i'll get to that more in the next video as i explain the kind of the more theological belief foundation to the series uh, but in wrestling with this what this conviction that Christians, the church, will be living through the end times, the questions arose, well, when will that occur? When will that happen? And what will the world be like? Because, you know, I've, growing up in the church, there was this sense in which Jesus could return at any point. And I think that's sort of what the New Testament teaches, for believers to be ready for Jesus to come back at any moment. And so every generation has had this expectation, right? And especially when the world has gone crazy and there have been these crazy pants who've risen to power and have and have waged war or set up these authoritarian regimes and people have wondered, oh, is this it? Is this the Antichrist? And is this the end of the world as we know it? And... Of course, Jesus hasn't returned yet, and so neither have the trumpets or the bowls uh, begun their judgment upon the earth, and so I I wanted to... Imagine when that might actually be, when that might happen, and I also wanted to create a connection between that future world and our own world. And so I chose a hundred years out. When I originally wrote this, the year I chose was twenty one twenty three, which is a hundred years exactly from the launch of this Kickstarter and the kind of the relaunch of the series. And I didn't expect it. To relaunch now, the reason I chose twenty three is because that's my wife's favorite number, and uh, I love my wife dearly, and I love to incorporate different Easter eggs of her own uh, likes and uh, favorites into my stories and so there's a little bit of a Easter egg for you so twenty one twenty three I thought would be a great way to root our own struggles. As I try to reflect in the series and the storyline and the characters and their own conflicts with within the church and uh, within the authoritarian regime, but to put it out there enough where we could imagine that yeah it, it's gonna it could be another hundred years before Jesus returns or even a thousand uh, but so the world is a hundred years down the road, and the church is in chaos with itself. Uh, There is rising apostasy as the first season is named, which basically means that there are divisions over what is essential to being a Christian and to believing in Christ. And then there are these uh, outside pressures from the culture, specifically from kind of this one-world government that uh, arose after a whole lot of political, cultural, social chaos that unfolded at the end of the 21st century through, uh, as I introduce, an element of climate change and social unrest, drought, uh, civil war, nuclear holocaust. Uh, There is this space exploration that has pitted... Great powers against each other, and and that was called the the great reckoning. Was this was this season of social, political, cultural chaos uh, across the globe, and what came out of that was this sort of unified world called Sol Terra, which is a a, a kind of a mashup of. Latin words uh getting to the Romanesque roots of the story world which I'll get to in just a minute uh but there it's this soul land soul terra soul world that uh, is kind of this unified one world community and even the news network is called one world news uh and so you've got a, a bunch of unity happening As well as division, because ironically, while the African continent has been unified under the umbrella Elkibulana, which is the ancient, original ancient name for the continent before uh, it was Latinized, thanks to Rome, setting up Africana, which was one of the provinces, um, right next to Tripolitania, which becomes uh, an important North African province in El Kibulana, this united African continent. So while you have this unity in Africa or Elkibulana, you've got great division in the former US of A, which I imagine completely imploding in civil war and destruction, uh, which I think could happen given the crazy going on in our own country. But you have a bunch of divisions. You have Americana, which is sort of the old Yank country nor americana which is the new american which is kind of that deep south uh south of the mason dixon there is louisiana which envisions a bunch of the old louisiana purchase states into a unified area there is the northwest cascadia and then california which assumes kind of that old uh, original sort of southwest area and And in the middle is the neutral zone, which I believe is uh, D.C., Maryland, Northern Virginia, West Virginia, and was kind of this chaos zone in the Second Civil War. And then you hop over to Europe and you've got... uh, Original provinces there splintered Germania, Francia, Britannia, sort of these old Roman provinces reimagined into the future, and then there 's Vasticana, which is the uh, Eastern Europeans unifying into this block, the former Soviet bloc into this into their own. Provincial superpower with Ukraine as the center of attention in Vostokana. I wrote that five years ago before all of the attention shifted to that nation because of some personal connections there with ministry I, work I did in Ukraine for a uh, several weeks during a, a winter Christmas into the new year and have uh, maintained connections with pastors there and church communities. And it's a country that's near to me. And I've also visited Romania and Hungary and some other Eastern European nations. And so that area of the world is is close to me. And so I thought, you know what, let's use that as a focal point for this new world where you've got one of the main heroes, Sasha Pavlovich, who's a Ukrainian physicist who makes the time travel discovery and plays a massive role as a hero in the story. And uh, you've got a number of others from these very important nations, which I'll get to when I get to the character point. But anyway, this world that I've established, Solterra Republic is a hundred years in the future and is ruled in the sort of one world authoritarian, totalitarian manner, even before the Antichrist rises to really turn the screws on those totalitarian impulses. And part of the way that this is reflected is in the old Roman model, where you've got the, the Senate in the Capitolium, with a titular head, a sort of imperial power head figurehead, uh, a new Caesar, if you will, called the Regis, uh, also known dearly by the polis as the patron and this patron. Uh, Lucius Severus is this basically Caesar figure and And I went into this Romanesque direction because of the way that John the Seer, Envisioned the events unfolding in the book of Revelation and when it was written and why it was written to encourage and exhort the early churches who were enduring massive persecution under the imperial weight of Rome. He wrote this to not only encourage them, you have that in the first four letters, excuse me, the first seven letters to the first seven churches, to encourage them to stay the course, to maintain their faith, and to uh, continue their allegiance to Christ alone in the face of imperial persecution. But then the rest of the the book, there is this reimagined resurgence Roman imperial persecution power and uh, much of the the apocalyptic apocalyptic imagery and the the analogies that are brought up between Babylon which the early church had understood as the Roman Empire and connecting it backwards into the exile of the Israelites under Babylonian occupation there's a, there's this there's this back and forth here between uh the the Babylonian exile of the people of God and all those hopes and dreams that were dashed, and the expectation for the Messiah to come and make things right. So you have this crossover between the Old Testament being brought into the new and the earliest believers finding themselves in a similar situation, exile and a remnant within a uh, persecuted, Imperial Roman uh, or imperial power in this in their context under Roman persecution and, and Roman imperialism, and so that also spoke very specifically to the early church in the in the second, third, and fourth centuries when you had a massive ratcheting of persecution, and the believers there were hoping for and expecting uh, Jesus to return to fight the final fight, to bring his church victory, and to finally repair the broken, busted world and make things new again. So it, even in the earliest centuries of the church, there was this wonder whether or not the, they were living through the events of the Great Tribulation because of the Persecution that is promised in the book of Revelation and a number of chaotic things that were unfolding. The great plague, uh, you, even farther on, when Rome actually collapsed, you wondered, the early believers would have wondered, is this the moment where Jesus is returning, where Babylon is finally collapsing? Of course, that didn't happen, and we're now waiting for Jesus still. And so, anyway, I. I have very intentionally created this connection between the imperial power of that is evident within the book of Revelation because of the earliest connection to the early believers and making and bringing that connection forward into the future to envision this similar imperial power Persecuting the church through its purge campaign. One of the uh, elements of the world I've created is this purge, which seeks to literally do what it says. Purge unfits Christians, as I call them, unfits from the culture and from society through some very intentional ways by either forcing them to convert later on to the imperial cult of the uh, Republic, thanks to the Antichrist, or dragging them off to reprogramming camps to basically make them better citizens who fall in line with the rest of the polis, who submits to the narrative of the regime. And that's where I begin to bring uh, current elements, I think, where you've got a whole lot of A whole lot of insistence by the—I would say—I would call them imperial powers of our own day, whether they're corporate imperial powers, uh, media imperial powers, or political imperial powers, alongside the cultural imperial powers, to force specifically Christians and their allegiance to Christ to force. The believers, the church, to submit to the narrative that is completely contrary to the narrative of Christ and the gospel. And uh, part of my hope for this series is to create very intentional connections between this world, this fictional world, set a hundred years into the future, Soltero Republic, and all of the struggle and the Chaos that the church is experiencing as it navigates its and negotiates its relationship to that world and that culture, to create a connection between that story world and our own world and the ways that our our church, our churches, our believers, uh, individual, regular men and women who have. Claimed Christ as Lord and Savior to help average believers navigate their own struggles to live in an occupied world, right? And how does that look to resist the regime and to resist these narratives that are radically changing our understanding of ourselves as humans? radically transforming our understanding of the nature of salvation and the hope that we have for the future with the rise of artificial intelligence and the rise of uh, gene altering therapies the rise of even transforming our human bodies into into becoming like the original, promise from the garden by satan himself to become like gods who decide for ourselves what is good and what is evil that is that's what's happening in our day and age now because of the narratives that are set from these imperial powers culturally politically corporately and in the immense pressure that christians and believers are under to submit or resist is, is crucial, I think, for survival nowadays, but it will be even more crucial for survival down the road. And I wanted to showcase what that survival will look like by creating this world and creating intentional connections between that world and our world through a cast of characters which I've grown to love, and I hope you do as well. All right, so every story has three major elements. A character in a setting with a problem. Obviously, in this End Time series, the problem that my characters have is the unfolding events of the apocalypse, uh, beginning with the crumbling and the chaos within the church, leading into the unfolding of God's judgment upon the earth, and their survival in the midst of that through those years and through the reign of the Antichrist. But what about the setting where these characters struggle to survive? So this story takes place a hundred years into the future. But alongside these characters and around them in this world are a lot of very familiar elements to our own world. You've got transportation that feels similar and yet futuristic, leveraging magnetic technology to sort of have these hovercrafty sort of magna cars and magna rails that are traveling all over Solterra. Uh, Airplane traffic and travel has been completely eliminated for a number of environmental, but mostly totalitarian reasons. And so mass transit across the globe happens undersea. A nod toward my love for SeaQuest, which was a 90s television show that I loved as a teenager. So I thought I'd incorporate a lot of those hydrocrafts and deep submergent vehicles zooming around underwater to get people everywhere. Uh, aside from transportation, you have the same kind of buildings, but built with mostly chrome and glass weapons have this futuristic bent to it that I've borrowed a bit from other sci-fi movies and shows that I uh, love and that are dear to my heart. So we have blast guns. Thank you, Star Wars and neutralizers that blast out these plasma blobs to neutralize the assailants and uh, uh, ray cannons that. Are sort of like shoulder mounted bazookas that are exploding fiery ordnance at their targets, and uh, queller aerial crafts that are sort of like the police state aircraft that are zooming around trying to destroy ichthus, the unfits, the church, and tracker drones because you can't have a, a police state in the future without tracker drones, right? Uh, so, those are the, some of the Futuristic elements, again, happening a hundred years into the future. So this is a science fiction story, saga, really, that's set a hundred years in the future with a light futuristic touch. I-, I wanted to create verisimilitude between that future world and our own world without overdoing it in a way that felt cheesy or uh, out of bounds or totally not possible, because I wanted the focus to be not on that futuristic world, but instead on the characters. Because it's the characters that make stories sing. And I'm super excited about the characters who are in this Solterra Republic setting, facing all sorts of problems, thanks to the unfolding of the events in the book of Revelation. Thanks again for listening to the Religion and Fiction podcast, exploring some of my own behind-the-scenes insights into the apocalyptic end times story I wrote to help Christians resist the narrative of regimes competing with the gospel in all its forms. Next week, we will get to know the characters who are cast headlong into the end times. Get details at endtimesworld.com to join Alexander Zarouk and the Resistance in their adventure through the end times. Thanks for listening. Happy reading.